My name is Andy. And well, it took another flag this time from our AFLW team to get me out of the funk of having gone out in straight sets from the 2022 final series. The acquisitions in the trade and draft period have also lifted my spirits and that change has renewed my hope as we near 100 days until the 2023 season, which will see us play off in another 2021 grand final replay to kick off the new year. In a moment, I'll be interviewing our National Recruiting Manager, Jason Taylor, to discuss our trade and draft period, and hopefully we can get an insight into those pickups. It's always an enlightening conversation with Jason. Later in the show, I'll be joined by my regular co-hosts, George and Binman, and I'll get their thoughts on the trade and draft period. In addition, we'll have a chat about our inaugural AFLW Premiership. But first, Jason Taylor. Our guest tonight is the Melbourne Football Club's National Recruiting Manager, Jason Taylor, who has just completed his 10th draft for the Demons. He has overseen the drafting of premiership players such as Christian Salem, James Harms, Christian Petrarca, Angus Brayshaw, Alex Neil Bullen, Clayton Oliver, Charlie Spargo, Bailey Fritch, Harrison Petty, Tom Sparrow, James Jordan, Luke Jackson, Cozzy Pickett, Trem Rivers and Jake Bowie. He was also at the club when we acquired a few other premiership stars, such as Michael Hibbard, Jake Lever, Stephen May, Ed Langdon and Ben Brown. From that list, it is clearly evident that we are talking with uh, Demon Royalty. There was a ground zero for the genesis of the drought-breaking premiership. Jason, thanks for giving up your time to join us once again on the Demon Land podcast. Uh, pleasure, Andrew. Now, that list of players that I just named is is quite impressive. You really were an integral part of putting together that premiership team. You and Lammy, uh, that's Tim Lamb, the Demon's list manager, probably don't get the kudos from the wider Demon community that you deserve for the flag. You must be pretty proud of that accomplishment. Oh, look, I think, you know, um, we're all proud of what we achieved that season and, um we're all working hard to try and maximise the group we've got at the moment. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure everyone got their credit for what simply is really a team effort. Um, it comes down to a lot of facets within a organisation that all have to come together, not just one. So, um, no, no, it was very pleasing. Um, you know, um, we lick our wounds from, from this year and uh, look to a new dawn ahead and hopefully another successful year next year. Well, we certainly are hungry for it after we got that little taste. And I just want to briefly talk about the trade period. Having lost Luke Jackson, we obviously had a serious need to replace that uh, backup ruck-sized hole that we have in the team and the acquisition of Grundy fills that need. Similarly, with Sam Wiedemann exploring his option at the Bombers, we have secured a like-for-like replacement in Josh Shackey. And then late in the trade period, we were able to secure, secure Lockie Hunter, who will no doubt complement Ed Langdon on the other wing. And while strictly not under your purview uh, in your role of the club, can you take us through uh, that tra- those trades? Oh, basically, uh, you know, Tim Lamb's been on record with, with all those. Is that um, if you start with Brodie Grundy, well, clearly with, um, you know, Luke 
having to, uh, I suppose, in his own mind, negotiate what was going to happen throughout the year. Um, we had to plan accordingly. And um, in those scenarios, you plan for Luke to stay or you, you plan if, he's, if Luke's to leave. So, um, you know, um, Tim went about setting about uh, Brody as a real target once that came about. Um, and he did a really good job in, in attracting him to our footy club along with Simon and Alan Richardson. Um, and, you know, as far as the replacement, um, you know, we think we're, we come out on top there. It's a, it's a really good acquisition for the club. And um, whilst he had some uh, injury issues last year, Brody, he's had an outstanding career today. He's a two-time All-Australian. And uh, we're really looking forward to seeing him work in tandem with Max. Um, and as you said, with uh, the departure of Sam, well, Sam came to Tim and just spoke about looking for, um, you know, potential further opportunities. Um, so just given the our relationship with Sam and the character of him, um, you know, we look, let him explore that, um, which ultimately took him to Western. But that wasn't to happen without having the ability to replace him. And that's where Tim got to work and was able to acquire Josh Shackey to allow that to happen as Sam was in contract. So um, it was important that we did feel that, um, and, and that was able to be done with Josh coming in the door and just later in the trade period, an opportunity came up with Lockie and, and yes, we feel just with his, um, you know, his ability, he's a best and fairest winner um, at the Bulldogs and um, he really does have great running capacity. Before we talk about this year's draft crop, I just want to get your thoughts on Luke Jackson leaving. Obviously, drafting interstate players is always going to be fraught with danger and inevitably it comes with the risk of them wanting to go home. We saw that with Luke and we saw that play out with Horn Francis too. And based on your draft history, you're not adverse to drafting players from outside of Victoria. Nibbler, Petty, Sparrow, Jackson, Pickett, Rivers, Van Royen, Woden, and now Adams. What are your thoughts on Jackson leaving? You pushed hard to draft him with the coveted third pick. He was an integral part of the premiership. The third quarter was phenomenal. I'm not asking or fishing for any regrets about it. I just want to get your take on, you know, generational talent leaving. And is there any trepidation uh, from you or the club about casting the net outside of Victoria? No, there isn't. And, I mean, it's a national competition. There's been a little bit of noise around it. Um, you know, this year in particular, but we've done a study on it. And if you look through the percentages over, you know, a decade or so, um, it's not really that high, the percentage of players that return home. Um, so, you know, we, we go in with, um, you know, facts in our mind and um, we treat each case as a case-by-case scenario and do our homework around that. Um, and if we're satisfied that there's no real risk of that and the, the talent gap's not too too far, well, then we're happy to select from anywhere in the country because otherwise we then start to compromise exactly what we do for a job. And um, in a national competition, you should be free to select from uh, anywhere in the country. There was some smoke about Cozzy in the trade period. Nothing came of it. The club was adamant that there was nothing to the rumours. Is 2023 with Cozzy going to mirror the willy won't he leave circus that we experienced in the past season with Jacko? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I think um, no, that all things are fine there. It, um, I think it was just—I'm not sure where that came from, to be honest. And, um, and nor is Tim. And um, yeah, we know we move forward. We're happy there. And um, I think it was just the trade period itself might have, um, with with that movement, with say Horn, Francis, and Jackson. I, I think that was uh, just a bit of smoke out of nowhere. That one. 
I think cane corns uh, <laughs> might have had something to do with it. Um, as you I, might have lit that fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned in the intro, you've just completed your 10th draft with the club. We went in with pick 13 and there was speculation that we would try to jump up the draft order by doing a deal with Essendon. Is there any truth to that? How far off were we? And who were you looking at at that really pointy end of the draft? Oh, there's some truth in that. Um, I think we owe it to, to the organisation that, you know, if we've got assets that we try and, secure, you know, who we feel could be, you know, generational talents. Um, so, you know, clearly they come higher up the draft order. Um, so we, we looked at opportunities of exploring that, but we weren't going to do it at the detriment of, um, you know, our assets that we hold into the future as well. So, um, yes, we explored it, um, but it had to be a, a fair and reasonable deal in the end for that to happen. And, um as often happens, is that uh, clubs that hold those high picks um, tend uh, to enter negotiations, but they very rarely come to anything. So um, nothing came of that in the end. And uh, we were looking at a couple of players of that range that we thought, uh, you know, could be very good players for a long time. We took uh, Matthew uh, Jefferson from Oakley Chargers with what ended up being pick 15. He's a 190-centimetre key position forward. He's named in the All Australian, the under-18 All-Australian team and he kicked seven goals in a match against Western Australia. In fact, five goals were kicked in one quarter. We're in the fortunate position where we can develop him at Casey as we did with Van Royen last season. Can you take us through that selection? Yeah, well, we go into every draft, you know, looking to pick the best available player and um but also we need to take into consideration needs and but not not to do that at, at the expense of at the talent so we, we've found ourselves in a pretty fortunate position uh where we're selecting with matthew and we felt that um along with um jacob coming in last year that was certainly a another need that we needed to bring in and and as you said quite rightly so is give them time to develop and Matty at 195, whilst he's got to put some size on his frame, we're confident he can do that. Um, and he has um, he's got a bit, bit, to, bit of growth to go as far as his physical development, his endurance. And uh, so, so the, the other boys we brought in this year, but we feel they've got the right attitude and, and that'll come over time. He's certainly got the, the uh, footy IQ and the aerial ability for his position. Our second pick, uh, number 38 overall, saw us select Jed Adams from Peel Thunder in WA. He's a 196 defender. What type of role do you see Jed eventually taking and which current Demon defender do you most liken him to? Yeah, it's interesting. He's a bit of a mixture of probably uh, uh, Petty and, and Lever um, and can even fill, fill the role that uh, Stephen May plays. He's a very good aerial player. Uh, comes at the ball really well. He did play a lot of his footy. Uh, as a ju- junior forward, so we, we've seen snippets of that this year, but he, he was predominantly a key defender. Um, he's come into the program after a couple of years of just injury, so he hadn't had a real continuity over his last, say, three years, but started to get some this year before he hurt his shoulder later in the year. Um, we really liked Jed and his potential, his upside, if you like, which can be a dangerous word, but we, we feel that he plays footy in the right manner and you know, he'll probably start down back and um, and then, you know, but who knows what can happen in the future. But um, we've got another – we just thought it was an important time if the, the talent was there in the key position um, areas that we, we, we'd like to select this year and, and that gives us some real flexibility going forward to be really creative with what stands as a pretty good hand we hold next year. Is he over those injury concerns from 
during the season? Oh, he's had a shoulder. Yeah, so he'll be um, slower. He's got to build his his base, and um, he he probably won't get back into um, you know starting into full training like late January, February. So look, there's no rush on him. We'll give him time once he. It's a long-term acquisition, both him, him and Jefferson. And, and for that matter, the, the next boys we'll talk about. Yeah, I'll get into those right now. We secured a couple of uh, rookies that I'd love to get your thoughts on. First was Big Will uh, Verrill from South Adelaide. He's an athletic 199-centimetre ruckman. And with Majak Doran... Uh, Mitch Brown retiring, Sam Wiedemann being traded to Essendon. We really do need that backup project Ruckman. We also secured another prospective Ruckman in ex-basketballer Kaya Farris-White. Can you take us through those two Ruck acquisitions and given the absence of the aforementioned retirees and and Sam going as well, uh, what role do you see these two young boys playing at Casey uh, next season? Yeah, again, Will's had some groins that he he kind of battled through the year uh, manfully. And, and played a decent amount of footy, but we just need to set him up for success and get that right and bring him through the preseason and build his body. Because um, he, he does have a naturally good vertical leap he's, um, and good follow-up at ground level. And he, ta- he can go forward and catch it. Will, that's something he does have up his, in his armoury. Um, so, he, again, he's going to take some time, but we, we like the way he plays with aggression. Um, and we like his skill set. You know, we put a lot of time into him, and um, coming into this year, you know, I think if he had had a better run at it, he might have been a higher higher prospect. Um, so, you know, w- w- he'll take time to develop. Um, and Kaya Ferris White, yeah, that just came about through networks throughout the year, and we um, we bought him in and screened him. He's two oh six. Yeah, like he's has all those category B um, prospects who have come from. Basically, another sport it gives you a little bit of confidence. He played some footy as a junior, but uh, he's got a long way to go. But he had, you know, he's hit the ground with a really good attitude, and his running capabilities are quite good. But he's a he's a bit of a um, a baby here at the moment, mate. So he's just got to uh, find his feet. And um, we just thought it was a good opportunity to, you know, they're hard to find. Um, and sometimes you just got to look outside the square when you're looking for those types. Do, do, do they always win? Well. Maybe not, but um, we're confident that he showed enough aptitude in his our screening of him, like we would any draftee, that he'll give it his fair shot. Uh, given that there's no development league anymore uh, in, in the seconds level, where do these guys play if they're not in the Casey team? Yeah, well, we yet to sit down and formalise that, but there have been opportunities through the NAB league where, where players have been able to do that in the past. So if that, we'll look at those opportunities once we sit down. It's, the dust just settled for sure. now. Um, our final rookie selection was one out of left field. Oliver Setston uh, is a powerful mid-size forward who played at Mansfield and Xavier. He kicked 50-plus goals for Mansfield under-18s in six or seven games, including that massive haul of 24 goals in one match. Uh, Oliver was present at the pre-draft Connor Sports training session as a low-key addition amongst a bevy of eventual eventual drafted talent. Reports suggest that he impressed at this outing. Is that where you guys became aware of him or was he on your radar prior to this session? Well, he, he, he to take you through the process, yeah, well, and and sometimes the acquisition of players through a drafting sense um, can come up in many uh, weird and colourful ways, and you've got to follow them all through. And he um, he did train at that session, and um, he did some really eye-catching things. Now, it's only a training session, so we're not 
kind of get carried away with that, but it does then make you dig a little bit and refer back to some reports we had on him. Um, and then we've been able to um, we've just purchase this new software that um, allows us to get access to a lot of competitions that are um, outside of our normal platforms. And so we had the ability to go through all his vision from you know last year and this year. Um, as well as couple that with a couple of the reports we had on him. And, um, yeah, and there's just some real promise with him. Um, he was going to be set to play at Oakley Chargers this year. Uh, sorry, next year. So in the NAB League. And um, we just like what, what we saw. He's a really natural goal kicker. Um, he's very clean. Takes the ball well in the air. Um, yes, he's got a bit of work to do physically and build his endurance. But, um we feel that he, he's got the right attitude once we sat down and spoke with him and um, that he, he'll give it his best shot. And, you know, there's always those possibilities with those players. And as we, you know, the mid-season drafts, you know, relatively new and, you know, it's been going three or four years. You've got to look at opportunities. And, and sometimes these kids, you think, well, he might just jump out of the box early and, um, and, and get going and then, all of a sudden, you know, we're hoping we're up the higher end of the ladder. Um, you may not get opportunity to select these guys. So we thought it, we thought it was just a calculated, um, well, not risk, it was an opportunity really. So we backed ourselves in and uh, we made that selection. Um, uh, Jason, I'd like to take you through the remaining draft picks from the past few drafts that we're yet to see pull on a senior's Guernsey and get your take on how they're travelling, how far off or how close they are to seeing to us seeing them run out onto the G. Uh, many D's fans were yelling and screaming for Jacob Van Royen to get a call up late in the season. The footy department resisted temptation to pull the pin. Was he close last season? And how early this season do you think it'll be until we see him debut? Well, we certainly, uh, well, I think we need to temper the fact that he's a 19-year-old position player. Um, and he had a, you know, really an excellent first season at BFL level, kicking 36 goals, which is not often done. But, um, you know, I, I think it was it was really uh, fortunate to be able to play him all year. He played in the premiership and just he gathered confidence each week, I, I felt, throughout the year. So... I think that's a really good platform to set him up for this year. Now he's come back really strong for the preseason. Yeah, I saw a photo. Uh, looks, looks looks big. <laughs> yeah, he's a big, powerful kid who's yeah. competitive, and he, he'll um, certainly like a lot of the boys who come back. He'll put himself in the frame to uh, try and try and get an opportunity early in the piece. I'll quick fire a couple of names of the others, uh, uh, starting with Bailey Laurie. Yeah, Bailey's come back really well, actually. He's, um, he looks really good. He ran well in the 2K. Um, he looks a little bit leaner in the body. He, um, We almost treated him, not almost, we did treat him like a first-year player last year. Uh, he had, you know, significant cheekbone eye socket injury um, and then another injury, I think it was his shoulder after that. So he really never got an opportunity to get going after missing some significant footy with COVID as well. Um, so we, we were really uh, pleased with his development last year um, and we're expecting him to develop even further this year. Uh, Blake Howes, I saw a picture of him. He looks uh, in good shape too. Yeah, no, he's running well, Blake. Um, all the boys have come back really hungry, which is good. Um, yeah, Blake, again, uh, started last year really well. Um was probably, you know, pushing for selection a little bit in the early piece there. 
Uh, and then he, he had that foot injury, so that kind of set him back. And then, as you know, it's um, you know you miss a patch of twelve or so weeks. It's difficult for young players to recapture their form. But he he, he battled along well and and was able to be part of the premiership success as well. So um, yeah, again, he's a young player. He's lightly framed. He's got some real speed about him and smarts and an aerial game. So um, you know we, we're excited by what he can eventually turn into. Uh, Taj Wawoden? Yeah. Yeah, very impressed on how he's come back, actually. Uh, watching training yesterday, he looks like he's filled out even more. Um, he, he's running well, uh, real professional. Um, you know, I think that um, yeah, he'll give himself a chance this year, Taj, I reckon, the way he's come back. Daniel Turner got a call up on Queen's birthday. was very impressive in the few minutes that we got to see him, but his debut was short-lived uh, with that terrific injury. Uh, do you reckon we'll see him make a return this season? Yeah, I certainly hope so. For Daniel, he's tracking really well, as you say. He's a little bit uh, – he's, he's quite an aggressive player. He's a little bit over-exuberant <laughs> yeah. on, on debut and caught himself a bit of mischief. But, uh, you know, we love the way he goes about it. Um, this guy, and um, you know, he's a pretty smart player, and we think he's got a bright future. He's uh, come back well and looks fit and, and lean and ready to go. Uh, Trent Burgoyne, son of former Port Adelaide player Peter, has been invited to train with the D's over the preseason in a bid to earn a rookie spot, as is Kai Turner. Can you tell us a little bit about these two, and uh, are there any other train on players uh, at the moment? No, that's all we can have, and, and um, it's really just looking for one spot, you know, obviously. We, had a little bit of a look at Trent through his um, junior years, and he, he, he's at Magpies um, last year. But he, he's, um, he just hadn't had a lot of continuity with his body, unfortunately, um, which is a challenge for him. Um, but he does have some speed on the outside, so we just thought we'd bring him over and give him a look. And um, and Kai Turner, uh, again, you know, it was just one of those opportunities through uh, a network of mine that um, – just said this kid was going okay at uh, Old Harbour in the Amateurs and uh, so I watched him a number of times towards the back end of the year and um, I thought he showed a fair bit of promise actually and he's uh, VFL footy at Frankston, um, a couple of games he played there was, you know, watching the vision back on that was, was pretty good as well. So we've had a fair look at Kai and, um, we, you know, we just thought he's worth an opportunity, um, you know, if he's to come on and buy himself an opportunity we, we feel we're pretty well stacked in their young tools. Um, but, um, yeah, he's got some good speed, uh, good endurance, uh, and, um, yeah, he's got a pretty good attitude. So we'll just see how he goes. It's just an opportunity for these boys to put their best foot forward and without any guarantees attached to it. Got a couple of uh, father-son prospects on the horizon. Uh, Kynan Brown, um, how's he tracking? I think he's available next year. Yeah, Kynan's going well. He's a good kid with a good attitude and uh, he's in the club now. He's training at the moment, um, gets an opportunity to do that uh, for a few weeks. And, um, you know, I was like all young, all our young draftees that come in, they're pretty pretty nervous on day one. And, um, yeah, so he's just uh, blowing out a bit of nervous energy the other day. But, um, yeah, no, he had a pretty good year at that league level and um, it'll be interesting to see how he develops further this year. Um, I believe Noah Uze, uh, son of our, our current uh, assistant coach, is also in the system. Um, you having a look at him? Yeah, we certainly are. We, we track all our uh, father-sons who are playing footy at a, at a decent level and, you know, he's at Courtfield Grammar and um, in the Chargers program. So we'll, we'll certainly track him amongst others. 
and the one we're sort of most excited it is still a little bit further away, uh, Kalani White. Um, I see photos of him on, on Jeff's uh, social media. He's almost as tall as Jeff is at the moment and uh, from the clips of... Uh, um, you know, he's a basketball and footy that Jeff uh, sometimes posts. It seems like he's quite athletic and uh, has a bit of skill. Yeah, he's, he's extremely athletic. Um, boy, he's, he's quite tall. He's, he's grown at a rapid rapid rate. Um, I think he's called Dad. So, he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's got some exciting athletic ability, that's for sure. And uh, finally, Jason, you've overseen 10 drafts. You've drafted 15 premiership players from the national draft. Uh now, this might be asking uh, who your favourite kid is, but uh, do you have a favourite out of any of the ones you've drafted? Oh, yeah. I, oh, it's hard to say, really. I mean, you, you kind of love them all, but um, if you're coming from the angle of, um, I suppose, oh, oh, Harms is a rookie pick, yep. I think, you know, and he's a Melbourne supporter, so I was pretty happy for him, to be honest. Um, but, no, yeah, they're all good. You know, you like them all for... For varying reasons, and um, you know, you, you want to see that success for them because they work hard and and they deserve it. Well, Harmsy was certainly living the dream of every one of us D supporters, that's for sure. Uh, Jason, I really want to thank you for your time. It's really insightful every time we speak to you, and uh, yeah, thank you very much, and a massive thank you as well for putting together the pieces of the puzzle to bring us that uh, drought-breaking premiership. Thank you. Uh, it was very special. Thanks, Andrew. That was Melbourne Football Club's National Recruiting Manager, Jason Taylor. It's always a very uh, enlightening conversation with him. As I mentioned in the interview, he's personally responsible for drafting uh, for the drafting of 15 premiership players in addition to being a part of the team that brought in five others. So that's 20 of the 23 immortals who broke the drought and gave us long-suffering Demon fans a taste of premiership glory. You know, Jason's track record uh, certainly speaks for itself, and that's why I've got complete faith in him at the draft table, no matter which picks we enter any draft with. Um, what were your takeaways uh, from the conversation, George? Uh, uh, welcome, George, actually, and welcome, Bimman. Uh, George, what are your takeaways um, from that? Welcome, welcome, to, uh, Demon Landers. Uh, uh, welcome, Andy. <laughs> um, firstly, some bad news here on Demon Land, where we break all the news. Um Andy's had a, uh, a serious injury in the preseason and won't be available till the first game due to his, his shoulder having been popped out. And it's a long and uh, uh, quite boring story, actually, about how he did it. But it is. Uh, we'll be lucky, lucky to see him before the first bounce next year. I, I don't think uh, I'm telling you the way I am now. There's no way I'm playing round one. I'll tell you uh, that now. <laughs> All right, we'll compare you to Max King and see who comes back first. How's that? Yeah, that's true. Well, if he, he's, I'm three, nearly three weeks ahead of him. Uh, so, yeah, he's, there's no way he's playing round one. Or oh, we know that now. I think they've said he's going to miss yeah. the first few weeks. So they say now. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's it'll wait be longer than that. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's great. Um, Great listening to Jason. He doesn't give much away because, you know, there's a fair amount of intellectual property that has to stay silent um, because yeah. you know, and I knew they, that. Miss out on, <laughs> they miss out on someone this year. They're still keeping an eye on players and things like that and who we might have chased. But, yeah, it's an invidious job he, he has. You know, the, the better he is at his job, the worse the hand he gets in the following year. So um, uh, I don't know that there'd be many job descriptions like that. But, um what what I really liked about uh, uh, the interview as, as a total was um, the relationship 
between the, the um, uh, servicing the needs of the club um, uh, on field and um, and seeking the talent um, in the future. And I think I heard some years ago a, a, a recruiting manager say something along the lines of uh, you trade for needs and you draft for talent. And um, uh, the difficult thing is when you're trying to um, uh, trade, there's the, t- the you don't necessarily get your needs if they're not available. And But this year, I think we've been very lucky for want of a better word um you know that people like grundy were available all of a sudden hunters available you know that um these were filling some of our needs that that we desperately needed um we saw during the year when uh you know we're doing things like playing melcham at full forward and charlie spargo on the wing and uh wiedemann in the ruck that that told you our needs um going forward because of circumstances that occurred during the year but i think the um the recruitment and trading teams work seriously on those and they've addressed them pretty well. So um, it's it's been a, a very good outcome, I think, for us, given our circumstances, losing people like Jackson in particular. Um, B-Man, welcome uh, to the podcast. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, uh, good day, Andy. Good day, George. Good day, Demon Landers. And I jumped on just before the show started and uh, George and Andy uh, were talking about and his injury, and um, I presume when George asked you, "Can you get it up?" Um, he was referring to your shoulder. Uh, it, I hope so for your sake, because you said not yet. Um, but, uh, um, I'm running with the shoulder, but um, fantastic interview, Andy. That was great. It was awesome. Um, uh, the things that jumped out for me, just the the sort of top of mind things, were how many times he mentioned attitude. And like so much attitude is like it's always been thus, hasn't it, in terms of, um, you know, recruitment. But I think it's like the point I made earlier in the season or at the end of the season is, you know, such a demanding sport now to play aerobically and fitness is that you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not prepared to run the sort of times that they did did in the um, time trial this week or, you know, do the sort of work, like you mentioned, the boys all coming back in ripping shape. You know, when I started following footy in the 70s, you know, there was no players coming back in shape. <laughs> you know, so, um, attitude that, that you know, his emphasis on attitude, I think he mentioned it about all the players, and in particular, mm. you know, even the ones who that you asked about. Um, so that that one jumped out. Another thing that jumped out a little bit was Laurie. It was interesting to hear his comments about Laurie, um, and that they viewed last year as a um. Um, is essentially his first year of footy, which was I thought was really interesting and it was good to hear and partly on the back of George's legitimate concerns about our depth is, you know, Laurie is a player that we took relatively high in the draft month. I mean, I get, what was he, 31, wasn't he or something? No, no, he was uh, earlier than that, wasn't he, George? Or I can't remember. Oh, I'll was, look up, uh, keep going. I'll get, I thought I'll get um, Bowie and Laurie were were the pick apart. In any case, that you know, so that's good that that um, that they are still confident about um, you know about his progress. The other thing is sort of that uh, actually made me think also of George was his comment about J- JVR not bringing him in last year and George's point that he made about um, you know not risking his development. And and the reason I that jumped out at me was because 
one, it's clever, but two, it speaks to a, a long-term plan for the footy club um, that Goodwin's been talking about now ever since he's joined. It's not about one premiership. It's about being in the frame to win premierships for an extended period of time. And love or hate Geelong, you, you have to give Geelong credit for their ability to stay in the frame um, and stay in that window and keep that window of opportunity open and um, so in a way for me, your point, George, is a good one around the players they pick. But, I mean, Jefferson, you know, he's not kidding that he, that kid's going to take a few years to build up. He's one of the mm. smallest players I can recall being recruited to the Melbourne Footy Club for a long time for a forward. You know, like even Luca, uh, even Cook was, you know, he, he was bigger than um, Jefferson. So, you know, that to me speaks to a confidence about the future. I mean, it is building a list that's the future and a sort of related comment uh, is um, clearly even his response about um, is it Jed Adams? Sorry, the uh, yeah, Jed Adams. Uh, Jed, Adams. Number, yeah. Jed Adams was he's been playing defence, but he um, mm. Taylor was quick to mention that he could also go up forward. Yeah, I had that and down. Jefferson's a forward. Um, you know, we've got a surfeit of marking sort of talls now that it would appear. We, we, I mean, Disco. Um, is down there still, and he's got defenders coming in on top of him. So, um, but I, you know, it makes me think that you know they're thinking of Adams is forward, definitely Jefferson's forward. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a need. There's, there's clearly everyone, everyone knows it. But and just the final thought I had was uh, I would love to know more about what he meant by the software and a capacity to get the video from other competition, and it probably speaks to. You know, in the States, you'd imagine for gridiron and for NFL and stuff, you know, they would have footage of, I mean, I know in basketball, I know for a fact yeah. they have footage of, of 10-year-olds playing. I mean, same in soccer, you know, the it's incredible the detail. They have pro, pro um, scouts who are only looking at primary school age kids in, in um, NBA and I presume it's the same for NFL. So I'd be interested to know what, you know, what software he was referring to, but it does speak to the extent to which they're looking and searching for those players. And um, um, at the top of, you know, they've both got to get the talent and go get the attitude. That that combination is a pretty rare combination, isn't it? So, but, um, but yeah, just the other thought, Andy, that was a terrific interview, really, yeah, super professional and, and really interesting and um, yeah, well done. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I thought. I think he mentioned that uh, software in relation. Did he, was that with that Oliver Siston that uh, sort of once they sort of saw him at that um, at that training thing, they went back to the software to mm. to sort of have a look. I guess at um, at some footage of him uh, throughout the year because he obviously, you know, might have slightly been on the radar, but certainly not uh, not in not to the point where they were considering in drafting him at least in this the rookie draft but what's interesting with him is that you know they they after seeing him they thought all right maybe we'll look at him at the mid-season draft but then once they sort of had a look at his um video they thought oh well, if he goes into the Oakley Chargers uh next year and you know shows shows something very early Adam, on wasn't that Adams was the one that could go into the Chargers in the NAB no that's Adams he's a, he's a draft of this that Oliver Seston the guy who kicked 24 oh, okay. goals um yeah. Uh, right to, for Mansfield, yep. so that he was the guy that would be uh, playing uh, if if no one picked him up. If we didn't pick him in the rookie draft um, um, now, then he he would be playing with Oakley Chargers, and yeah, right. is a draft I think eligible age that someone could pick him in the mid season draft. I guess 
if he shows something. Right, so locked him away. So, that's so we, we've taken, he said, well, not a, calcu- a calculated risk, but not a risk. To, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we've sort of I mean, they're all away. calculated risks, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, everyone, look, yeah. we've just drafted out or traded out weed, um, you know, he requested a trade. He, he was a top ten draft pick. They're all yep, calculated of risk, course. you know. Where, as you know, your point about losing Jackson, thought he was pretty phlegmatic about that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, um, I just and, I, the question. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> do you regret drafting him? And that that wasn't the uh, question. It was more just ask about. Uh, you know, people don't want to draft from interstate. Is yeah, that yeah, a, yeah. is that an issue? But they said they've done the calculations, and no, it's not. Well, the question I had in my mind actually when after he answered that actually was what's his feeling, not about uh, like about because thinking about all of the work that he does to Mm. pick these players and as you said, that was a top pick three, you know, that was a coveted number three. Mm. It wasn't a speculative pick 30 and then, you know, so a lot of time and effort and um, you made an excellent point because it was in that video. He really went to bat for Jackson in that video, yep. like the one that the MFC released. Yep. So, you know, he's, you know, I wonder to what extent there must be some feeling for, you know, for someone like him, Jason Taylor, to think, oh, geez, he's let me down. I mean, I know that it's yeah. footy, it's a professional code. You know, of course, they play wherever. I've got no, you know, real major drama against um, Jackson. But, you know, still on a, on a personal level, it would it be hard not to feel a little bit, Taken aback that someone that you've went gone to bat for and and really pushed hard for and put all the time and effort to to land him leaves three years later. Mm. The f- winning the flag that, uh, <laughs> helped. Sorry, I just I think it was the interesting flag, though that um, uh, he also spoke about uh, the contingency plans that they had in place, even from the obviously yeah. when Jackson was being mooted to be on the move. You know, does he stay? Does does he go? They were already looking around at who was available and and uh, obviously unearthed the Grundy option. Uh, well, mid-season from yeah. memory, like the yeah. talk was that we met with him mid-season, Grundy. Yeah. Yeah. So one, that's that's really great for the full cl- club. But like we talked during the season is the problem for me about Jackson leaving was less about Jackson leaving, more about the fact that our game plan is based around a two-ruck model. Yeah. Yeah. And we needed to replace Jackson. Yeah. So there's just so few players who can play that role. It's, to be able to land a bloody All-Australian yeah. who can do it yeah. uh, and run the 15 kilometres that he's going to have to run is is really, I think that'll, you know, as the season progresses next season, uh, how big a deal that was yeah. and how yeah. important it was for our future success will become clearer and clearer. Yeah, and given that the only other rucks I think available that were moved were Rory Lobb and uh, Meek, both from yeah. Fremantle. And uh, was it Max in the interview when they said came to him and said, we've got a, got a rucking partner for you? And he said something along the lines of, oh, don't tell me it's Lobb. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, and he's like, I mean, really, I mean, Lobb's a good example of what I'm talking about, about the lack of, he would have been the sort of one of the few ones available, but he's not really a great ruckman. And or a great he's, forward. He's a forward ruck, not yeah. a ruck forward. And he's not – well, he's an all right forward when he's yeah. on side. He kicked side, 30, when he's yeah, kick 36 goals for the season. Yeah, yeah, he's all right. He's just – he goes missing. But Yeah, um, yeah. But we got the good one. Yeah. yeah. Look, it seems in this draft we've, we've definitely gone uh, – obviously we've gone tall to try – you know, you have a look at who we've lost – 
um, and just even the backups that we lost, whether it's, uh, mm. you know, Wiedemann, Magic Door, who didn't play a game anyway, Mitch Brown, who was only really mm. in case of emergency break glass, but therefore gone. We, we sort of tried to future-proof and, look, these guys are all development because they're like Van Rooyen, uh this last year or this this season. Um, that's going to be um, Jefferson – Adams, they're not playing seniors, but we're sort of future-proofing our, our tools. Yeah, uh, Verrill, uh, we've got two project Ruckmans in, in Verrill and well, the other guy, uh, Ferris White's even more of a project. Um, yeah, and I think maybe yeah, next In a way, year, it's a bit of a throwback to yeah. like in the early days of the draft when that, if you're a stronger club, you can do that, can't you? you well, we can, can do that. You we've, can pick your players. We don't need the midfielders. Yeah, if you need success quickly, yeah. like the pressure's different and, you know, like so we can pick someone like Jefferson in the knowledge that realistically just looking at his body, like JVR, you could, he could have probably played physically mm, last yes, year. I'm yeah. glad in hindsight that they, well, who knows, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. glad in hindsight they didn't because it wouldn't have made much no, difference. No, I don't think so. Um, but Jefferson won't, I can't imagine but next year playing. Yeah, I mean, unless he suddenly morphs into some, <laughs> he's still he's three years away, isn't he, from playing. Yeah, two or three. Look, they'll get him into a program throughout the year and then over pre-season next year. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see. I mean, did you and see I the photos of Van Royen? Part of it, the food. <laughs> <part of it. laughs> did you so, Did you yeah. see Van Royen? Uh, pictures of him uh, during the week. Uh, he's really filled out. Uh, not that he was a skinny lad, uh, but he looks in good shape. I'm quite excited to see him play. Yeah, and and just quick, just he didn't say that. Of course, he didn't say that Van Royen's gonna. Yeah, he'll definitely play. But he did mention, and I just forget who it was that he was a good chance. Of, oh, why won't? Yeah. Mm. So he sounded really impressed with Woey's um, return and maybe he's got a bit of a soft spot for him, I'm not sure. But um, it, of all the players he mentioned, Woey was the one he seemed to be most confident about getting a senior gig. So but he also, that, I thought that was interesting. He also said Blake Howes was very close early early on in the year to getting a game and then had, had the foot injury and then yeah, that, so set, yeah. that set him back. Um, yeah, so look, stuff to look forward to. Um, all right, well, there's our, um, there's our draft, uh, and then on to preseason training. Uh, once again, uh, Demon Lands got a bevy of track watches. George, I haven't seen you down at training yet, uh, this year, but I'm sure, I'm sure you'll make it down there, uh, soon, but, um, They've, our, our track watchers have been out in force, uh, bringing preseason directly into the our offices and homes. Uh, these guys are the true heroes of Demon Land. Uh, for those of us who are desk bound, or for those who are interstate or overseas, uh, these guys provide an invaluable service as we train the house down. Um, uh, it really is the best time of the year on Demon Land uh, when everyone's full of hope. Uh, so if you already aren't uh, a member of Demon Land or, or, or visit demonland.com regularly, uh, I think the last two weeks we've had track watches down at every session. So that's the three sessions a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, jump on our social media, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, I've been posting links to all the training reports on there. So, um, yeah, guys, you've read the training reports. Anything standing out uh, to you guys? We're training the house down once again. Everybody's doing well at this time of year, except <laughs> for Joel Smith, of course. Um, <laughs> I, I saw that he's he's running laps again, and yeah. um, um, but the one that the ones that have really stood out, and I haven't been down yet yet, but just from the photos that the club has been putting up, the one that really stood out for me 
immediately was Cozzy Pickett and he looks the big. amount of of muscle oh. that he has built bulk, on yeah. is just frightening. Um, and and there was one classic photo um, of him in that I think it was the first first one that came out. I thought it was Byron. Yeah, he's chunky. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. he looked because he wasn't you know he's standing sideways, but it looked exactly like Byron. And you go, you know, this guy's going to be playing in the and midfield not in a, very not in soon. A, not in a fat sense. He hasn't. Uh, no, no, he's, no. He's no. It was just up. sheer yeah. sheer muscle. You know, and um, and I think I commented on Demon Land. Now I know when people get hit by him, they don't get up really quickly. <laughs> he's, yeah. One, you'd have to assume that's a program that he was given. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's no way he would go off his own bat, would they? So that would suggest there's a clear plan in place because, like, why, like, there's no real benefit if he's a small forward to be super strong, Other, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe, like, maybe they want the him. you are, the better you are down forward as well. I'm not sure. But One of the articles mentions some more midfield minutes, so perhaps yeah. that's what they're going for. And the other one from the pitches was Tommy Sparrow, similarly. Oh, um, yes. he, yeah. he looked extremely yeah. cut. Um, uh, obviously spent a lot of time in the gym um, as well, but um, until you see him in real life, it's hard hard to judge. Mm. You know? um, these are only um, straight-out pitches. So, um, uh, Everyone looks good. Training is always difficult in any, in any case, but simply because they haven't got any opposition, so everybody looks fantastic. And everyone looks uh, good with a tan <laughs> coming yeah, back from yeah. their European holidays. Um, in terms of the track watches, it certainly helps that, uh, well, two things have, have been great about them fixing the sheds down at Casey. One, they're training at Gosh's. Yep. So the track watchers who all live you know, probably in that, you know, Turak, because that's where all <laughs> Melbourne fans live. So it's a long drive down to Casey. Well, someone get said they rode their bike, so they had to be close. Yeah, yeah. So, so people can get to Gosh's rather than hike down the highway and uh, get down there. Um, and the uh, two women's finals uh, in Melbourne were both at Icon Park because of the same reason. Because the change rooms or whatever are getting mm. repair uh, fixed or whatever they're doing down at Casey. So, um, and just on Gosh's. So you've been to a session, Andy? No, not yet. I'm I'm planning oh, okay. to, I'm to make it down the, the next. Like, whether you know how close yeah. that is to being finished. Well, I, mean, I know that's done, down. isn't it? It's, it's definitely finished. Yeah, that was like done the, around, the surrounding areas, like the have no, they landscaped that at all, or no, because no, it's a huge nothing. drop off from that surface down to the. No, it's like, been leveled off pretty well. Um, right. Yeah, uh, I was down there for the uh, women's presentation after the premiership. Um, all the locals were on there as local footballers playing on there and dog walkers walking their dogs on it. On um, the goshes on our footy yeah, ground, gosh, yep. on, our, yep. on our training bed. Yeah, it's pub, <laughs> Is, public access. Did yeah. um, someone, mentioned, me someone mentioned <laughs> that they've made um, a little outdoor gym area so that I think they look like they've concreted and put up a structure for shelter. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if they've done anything because when I was there last year, it looked at still around the edges of the ground was all dirt and it was sort of a bit muddy. And Yeah, I haven't been down, so when I get down I'll have a look. But it, uh, someone did mention they've it's, concreted an area with uh, shelter so that they can bring yeah, the exercise a, a bikes. And, basically. Yeah. yeah, so they can bring some bikes, I guess, and some maybe weights yeah. for the guys who, who can't yeah. participate in or, the... Or maybe, maybe so when, when it does rain, you know, which it does <laughs> regularly in Australia now apparently, um, you know, people like the computer people want to be... <laughs> Um, uh, sitting under a bit of cover instead of out in the open that they were before. 
Just a couple of reflections from the training reports. It's yep. great to have them because there wasn't that many last year. I mean, well, we year couldn't. The one advance was down that. there, which yeah, was great. But not only yeah, that, he was – not only that, uh, you could go down there. I mean, it makes it harder for the location, but you had to watch from that behind a fence. <laughs> so, yeah, But this right, you can right. get right up, so it's good, yeah. Sorry, um, but a couple of reflections is one the the footy shift it hasn't in terms of they get the footies out straight away now. Whereas you know there was a th- about ten years where they seem to not get the footies out till cr- after Christmas. That's almost. because so that's because they weren't fit as when getting to not that they weren't fit, but they yeah. now they have to come. They're all on programs in the off yeah, season. So they come in peak condition. You don't have to condition to get to that, which they used to have to do, I guess. So that was my other, ref- uh, my second reflection was exactly that, how, how fit these fellas are coming back. I mean, I've seen the photos of track. He looks unbelievably fit, but so does Clary. And mm-hmm. I know Clary had problems last um, preseason with his shoulders that sort of, um, he, he looks in really, he looks, they all look super lean, as I've said a, a number of times. They all look like 400 metre, 600, 800 metre runners. They're, mm-hmm. they're incredible looking athletes. And this final one was there was a photo and uh, there was some commentary on Demonland about it um, that would be really interesting to watch of them doing kicking through channels, creating a channel. Mm, someone mentioned um, that, yeah. Yeah, and kicking to a, a presumably, the, well, the comment was presumably it's a Williams initiative um, to kick through poles to kick. So, and I presume that the object of the exercise mm. is to kick relatively, you know, 20, 30 metres without hitting one of the poles on the side as, as it goes through. So, um, and trying to get them chest straight to the target and go straight through in a straight line. Um, so, you know, hopefully that will improve our, well, hopefully our accuracy for goal will well, improve. Can they, I was going to say, can they set those up in front of goals for us? Because <laughs> I think that's where we need it most. I think I saw that in action last year from outside the fence down at Casey, and and Williams moves them progressively, so it's kicked through the uh, through the channels from ten meters, then twenty meters, right. then forty meters. Um, again, yeah, it's to to get used to hitting targets and um, kicking straight. And I mean, it makes perfect sense, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, so, uh... yeah, yeah. The other advantage of Gosh's over Casey and so why you little will probably appreciate this is there's not many snakes down at uh, Gosh's paddock. <laughs> Well, exactly. if you go financial types, they went out there looking, trying to sell sell products. Yeah. So those crypto people, they're right. <laughs> so um, our track watchers uh, provide Demonland users. Uh, they they this year they provided Demonland users with an exclusive early on in the preseason training schedule. We learned that our newly traded players had been given their new numbers a week or two before it became public just the other day when they announced all the changes for season 2023. The new numbers are as follows. Uh, former Demon captain Nathan Jones's famous number two Guernsey, uh, as well made famous a few years, a number of years before that by Robbie Flower and uh, the other premiership player, um, uh, what was his name? Armstrong. What was he? Stephen Armstrong. Um uh, Jacob forward Jacob Van Royen, he's, uh, who played last season with the number 21, will drop the one to become the new number two of the team. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, Van, Van Royen's number two, isn't Number it? two, yes. Yep. Oh, fantastic. That, it's a great number, isn't it? Can't yeah, wait to see him number. tearing it up. Uh, outgoing Ruckman, uh, an outgoing Ruckman will trade his number six to a new incoming Ruckman. Brody Grundy will wear number six. Lockie Hunter takes number 12 from Toby Bedford. 
Josh Shackey takes number 19 from the delisted Fraser Rosman. Uh, Matt Jefferson, our, our pick number one this year, uh, takes Van Royen's 21. Uh, so it looks like the, that 21 is for forwards only because uh, didn't wasn't um, Pedersen, Cam Pedersen. He was 21, I think, uh, before. So... Jed Adams uh, takes Sam Wiedemann's 26. Will Verrill takes Magic Doors 28. Uh, Joel Smith, formerly number 44, will wear his father's number, 29, previously Jaden Hunt. And Oliver Seston uh, takes Mitch Brown's 38. Uh, Kaya Farris-White takes Guy Ragoni's 43. Um, or was that Harmsy's old number? Not sure who's had 43 since Harmsy, but uh, I don't think anyone had it last year. So there's some new numbers for you uh, guys to get used to. <laughs> But uh, just uh, rem- did Hunter get picked up? Yeah, we uh, West yes, Coast. Yeah, oh, West Eagles. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We trade him to Eagles. That's right. That's- so as you as you know, I mentioned on the last uh, program that uh, we d- used to uh, sponsor Jaden Hunt. Uh, we no longer, obviously, since he got traded. But we were fortunate enough to pick up um, Brody Gr- Grundy um, as a uh, Demon Lands um, um, sponsored player. And I do have news tonight uh, as well. Uh, I did mention on social media during the week, but we also had to replace Fraser Rosman. And uh, I couldn't believe this play was available uh, when I sort of uh, asked about who was available. So next year we will be sponsoring Stephen May. Um, oh, wow. So Jeez. the Demon I Lance, won't make any joke no, about the Demon Lance. No, well, th- we're going to have our first meeting at Entrecot. Um <laughs> it, 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 sure, it'll go well, um, but uh, no, that that's with Brody Grundy, um, Stephen May, and Karen Paxman. I'm pretty happy with that st- Demonland stable of uh, players. And speaking of the Demonland player sponsor curse, which I don't I talk was, about the curse. <laughs> <laughs> there's rumours Paxman's going to to um, uh, Western oh, yeah. Australia. Well. So if we lose her, then I'll find I'll find someone. Well, else. well, Grundy's a good one because you know surely he's not going to go after one season, and you know so Stephen May's a D for life. Well, look, so I, I, look, I at least got a couple of years with with all these guys. Yeah. I know they're all all three of them are nearing thirty, if yeah. not already there. So but I, I'm sure I got a couple of years. I, look, I did. I probably did have a chance to get one of the young guys, but over the years we've had so many young guys, and I thought, no, nah, it's time for me to. Uh, to go for okay. with some established premiership players. <laughs> Given their Demonland sponsor, these players, is why can't we get them onto the podcast? Onto well, the, the sort of uh, written contract. No, that no, every look, sponsor and they've got to come on. I, 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 I probably can push, uh, push yeah. a bit harder for that, but I, I will, uh, I will try and get them on. I'm sure shouldn't be a problem. Um, Let's talk about just quickly our fixture. Uh, we've had some snippets of the 2023 uh, fixture drop. Round one will see us play off against the Bulldogs in another 2021 grand final replay to kick off our season at the MCG on a Saturday night. And hopefully the Saturday night fixture will attract a better ground, a better crowd uh, than last season when we played the, the family unfriendly time of Wednesday night. Uh, there was speculation a while back that perhaps we would be playing the Magpies. Uh, but that was not to be. I don't think the AFL has had have enough faith in Melbourne yet to draw the big crowds from marquee games like the Magpies and Cats on a Friday night. 
Uh, that That's despite our impressive home ground attendance record last year where we were sixth on average for home home ground atten- home game attendance, fifth for average away attendance and fifth overall for average home and away attendance. And this was all behind the big four in Collingwood, Carlton, Richmond and Essendon. But it is important to note that all of those teams have the advantage of playing each other twice whereas we only played Collingwood twice of those big four teams. So I think our record of, uh, of where we ended up with home ground, home and away attendance for the year is quite impressive um, considering uh, all that. Uh, are you guys happy with our round one matchup, um, uh, George? No. Um, <laughs> it doesn't it's, 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 ne- it's neither here nor there. <laughs> we, uh, um, I think it's more important to us uh, things like the, which were the eternal gripes on Demon Lanyo. When do we go to Cardinia Park? Oh, I'll um, definitely... those those sort of scenarios. You yeah, know, God, how many times are Collingwood going to go there? Um, Never. What my my great hope was um, uh, for next season that we play Hawthorne and and St Kilda early on while their while their supporters will turn up because <laughs> I don't think they're going to go to last very long. Um, last thing we need is is trying to play against St Kilda in round seventeen or eighteen. Um, but anyhow, that's that's just uh, conjecture. But yeah. It, I hope we get reward for where we finished um, last year and the and the previous year. Um, I don't know that the AFL is particularly um, good at that sort of thing. They're just they, well, they're constantly um, fixated with these four major, four or five major and teams. And from what I'm hearing, suffers. From what I'm hearing, Carlton are going to get a lot of Friday yep. night slash Thursday night games. So they have yep. one good yep. year, and all of a sudden it's back on the Carlton bandwagon bin man. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say the same thing, George. If uh, I'll be ropeable if we don't because it's the whole like it's a joke the fixture it's just the fix is the key part of that word because you know the this equalization through a fixture concept has never been articulated properly it it has got no like there's no rules in place this somehow floating fixture that you get you know the it advantages one club massively every year that they get wrong every year it happens um, and I just hope that we get our fair crack. And so, the, I mean, my thoughts a little bit about the fixture are what I hope to see is um, I really hope we don't get a, such a hard run into the finals next year. I thought that, you know, that disadvantaged us. It was hard, made it difficult for us, uh, and Geelong got exactly the opposite. They got what the draw that we – I would love to have a run into the finals like we did in 21. And, and like they're going the to get it again this year because their stadium's not not ready yeah, early oh, on. And that, so the other two thoughts I had about it is that – and this is that I only being half facetious, but at the – you know – We'll get into this next season, no doubt. But you know, we'll have that period during the middle of the year when um, when we're off the boil a bit because of the loading. Uh, it, it will be word. important for our, our chances of uh, where we finish, um, who we play in that period. So in that eight week period, the seven or eight week period, the the uh, hopefully we play cl- clubs down the bottom of the ladder during that period. Um, the other one that. Speaking of Geelong, is that it's going to drive me insane if because their taxpayer park is out of action for half the season, if they get the predominant game, like most of their um, home games um, in that back half and play heaps of games down at Cadenia Park, in terms of a fair draw, like it's not a draw of fixture, it's just rubbish. If they end up playing 
you know, in their last 11 games, seven or eight games down at Cadinia Park, that is coming into the finals. It is a ridiculous advantage that you're handing one club. Um, and then on top of that, you make, say, Melbourne travel down there again for the, you know, like we have done for 40 years. And um, it, it just, I think, the whole fixture is a shocker. Now, on top of it, the other thought I had was this, the stupid name they've come up with for the gather round. I mean, what the, it's like, what is that all about? So I, I haven't actually given it much thought about how I feel about that round in particular, but it's ironic that AFL was copying NRL after mm. decades of, of of basically saying they're rubbish up there. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be curious to see how it goes, but surely to goodness they could have come up with something better, better than gather round. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about the gather round is... Who gets allocated the home well, game? Well, that's uh, yeah. I've got a bit so, of a rant. You know, if we get a home game playing in well, Port Adelaide or something like that, yeah, it's a fair point. Well, yeah. uh, I've got a rant about that because uh, you know, as we know, the uh, round five will be the Magic or slash Gather round, and uh, all matches are going to be, as we know, played in South Australia. It does net every club uh, five hundred thousand dollars each, so I'm happy to take that money from where. Where does that come I don't from? know. Or Must why? be some type of advertising TV. I don't know. There's money. South, South the Australian South government, Australia government paid. paid for it. Yeah. Um, right? Have they? Yep. I did. We're okay. getting five hundred grand. So I'll take. Apparently, it was meant to be a million or something, <laughs> closer to a million initially. Anyway, uh, only downside uh, is that some clubs, as George mentioned, are going to be forced to play uh, one of their home games in that round and. My MFC SS uh, says there will be one of those clubs uh, that gets stiffed with this and will will get the double whammy by having to play Frio or, or the Lions at home in Adelaide um, and losing any home ground advantage uh, that we might have well, had playing at the G, except Frio. Bloody but, great record there. We've and, got a fantastic record under Goodwin at Adelaide. So uh, we're probably more chance uh, of winning at Adelaide Oval uh, than at the MCG. Okay, <laughs> but – but, there's no guarantee we're going to be playing at Adelaide Oval. They're, not all oh, the games really? are at Adelaide Oval. We might be oh, shunted right. to yes. to some I don't even know. Or yeah, or I don't or even or know an Adel- a, play, a place in suburban Adelaide where we might be. But Clenel. yeah, or... we could be at some shitty ground. So don't uh, get too excited. Right, okay. um, and, uh, and of course, my one wish, if I could have one, was that we would play the Cats uh, as our as either the, as their home game. Um, but as my MFCSS comes in, uh, we'll probably end up playing the Cats at the Cattery again this time as they unf- unveil their premiership flag at their, as you said, government-funded stadium, uh, probably in front of just Cats fans, you know. They, there'll be one of those days, oh, Cats fans all come in for free. No, Sorry, no Melbourne fans can come watch us at this um, place. So that's what's going to happen to us. Um it's also the, on the fix of the other one that because it's come out in drips and drabs. Well, it's not. There's only yeah. three been announced, but round sixteen against yeah, well, GWS that was up a, just, the Alice. I was just and, about to um, say, I'm super keen to go up and see a game up there at some point. Well, so. if I was you, I would book work out when round sixteen is going to be because uh, I think uh, accommodation goes pretty quickly there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even tickets to the game and it's only got a five thousand capacity. Right, but it's it's good that we are playing GWS there instead of say Port Adelaide or Adelaide who have uh, sort of a bigger following uh, in that neck of the woods. Um, so that's uh, that's good that I'm happy to play GWS there. I know we don't get to play them then at the G like we thumped them. They've screwed us again. It's the one team we absolutely pants last year, and they're going up there anyway. Um, 
that's all that's dropped so far, but we do know we are playing Anzac Eve and Queen's Birthday. Both of those are home game, home fixtures for us this year. So we will we'll sort of make some money, a bit of money. So that's it. Any other fixture wish list for you guys? No? We'll move on. <laughs> financials. We also had some financials drop from the club this week and we find ourselves in an unfamiliar financially secure position. Some highlights. Operating profit of three point five million, um, a one point four million inc- or sixty seven uh, percent increase on twenty twenty one. Revenue um, fifty five million, an increase of uh, twelve million or twenty eight percent from twenty twenty one. The growth uh, included three point seven million dollar increase in corporate income, three point five increase in match receipts, and two point two million increase in membership income. But look, that's on the back of the the membership increase which as i mentioned in our season review that's going to be one of our massive um uh massive well uh, it's going to be very hard to retain that uh 60,000 plus membership that's going to take a big hit i'm sure uh and look sustained success um look the increase in match receipts if that's on 2021 was there only there was only half of 2021 uh, so yeah. we'll see what happens next year, next year. But uh, with all this financial stuff, s- sustained success is the key. Because if we have some lean years, that that disappears, that evaporates very very quickly. Yeah. You gotta you gotta maintain the success if you want to maintain. And I must say that a lot of that uh, that some of that uh, financial windfall, I'm sure, was on the on the back of. Um, uh, increased uh, merchandising as well, which uh, when you don't win premierships, <laughs> yeah. that's going to drop off too. So yeah, the, the the whole it's it's far too easy to to get excited about you know everybody hears three and a half million dollars mm. and that's great, that's fantastic as a profit, all that sort of thing. It's off the back of the premiership. Mm. It was from the thirty first of October last year. So all the membership numbers, all the merchandise numbers. All the spo- corporate sponsorship, all the gates mm. receipts are following a premiership. Um, you know, that's why we were sold out. That's why we had so many members. So it's not surprising yeah. whatsoever. Um, and the other thing is, don't compare it with 2021. There was no, there were no <laughs> games to go to. Yeah. So that's why there was a, a substantial increase in all those areas. Because and the games you could go to were all remember early on in the year. You could only yeah, have X amount yeah, of uh, yeah. So so you, you shouldn't be comparing the 2021 yeah. as all the media stuff came out that you should be comparing with 2020 or 2019 more to the point. Not even 2020, the other th- 2019, yeah. The other thing is you've got to look at what everybody else is doing as well. You know, that sounds fantastic for us. The Bulldogs made a $5 million profit this year. Wow. Uh, the team that we, we absolutely flattened in the, in the premiership the previous year, they've got $88 million in total assets. We've got 27, sorry, 36 you know, so that that gives you an idea about what we're up against. You know, Collingwood fifty million dollars net assets. You know, uh, we've got we've got thirty six. You know, it's um, that's that's the game that we're in. So don't get excited about three and a half million dollars, because everybody else is doing just as equally. We haven't seen the figures come out of West Coast and Adelaide. They'll be just as equally good and probably a lot better. So um, it's great to do it, but it's all on the back of of that success, and we've got to keep doing it every single year. Um, because that's the model they've they've decided we we're going to pursue. So it's better that's than it. what it, better than what it was when it first started going to annual general meetings and reading financial reports thirty years ago, where our total assets were barely the price of a house in Melbourne after one hundred and fifty odd years. Um, 
so we've come a long way, but um, we've still got a long way to go. It's interesting you mentioned the dogs in that context. So that's pretty impressive numbers. Um, of course, they've got the advantage of a fantastic home ground. And I drove past there the other day. Mm. I, I live over in Altona. And so driving past, you drive, go over the o- overpass. They're resurfacing that. They've taken up all of the, and I think by the look, the way they're doing it is to make it bigger. Mm. So it's because it's um, relatively small, but I think they've, they've extended it towards um, the north. On the north end, I, I guess all the, the turf was up. So, but they've, you know, th- those facilities are pretty good there now, and they're yeah. building. They've got housing that's coming up around it. That it's not the dogs, but also the the relationship they've got with Vic Uni there. And yeah. it, know, it, it is the dogs. They were they were gifted a great big parcel of land, and they've basically sold it off. Yeah. Right, so that just explains that. That's that why they've got eighty-eight yeah. million dollars yeah. of, of assets. Yeah, yeah. And the, but, but the other the other thing is they've been refurbishing the Skinner Reserve. Yeah, so, yeah. so they've they've got two training grounds effectively. It's, yeah, but uh, it's like it's a great like once once that's finished, that'll be fantastic. The um, Whitnoval, the whole you know, there's a basketball arena that sits next to it. It's got you know, it's really. You know, it makes me jealous when I go there to see yeah. that, that they've got that facility. And, um, you know, of course, as we've all talked about at Infinitum, we'd love to have the same. Yeah. Just doesn't seem to be happening. Um, Anyhow, let's yeah. move on to something. All right, more, let's move on to something exciting. Uh, a little, uh, a little over uh, two weeks ago, the club won another premiership. It's third in fifteen months. Uh, this time, it was our women's team who won their inaugural flag in the competition's seventh season, as the second-ranked team for the season by just point three percent. The Demons were ultimately forced to play the grand final away at an unfamiliar oval in Springfield in Queensland in a low-scoring arm wrestle between the two best defensive and defensive teams. The Demons were victorious by four points. I must say that the old ticker took a bit of a beating during the match. I'm not a fan of close games that we're involved in. I get nervous enough when we have a comfortable lead, so you can imagine my anxiety when we have a close match. Um, Guys, it was a great send-off for Daisy, if that's to be her last uh, game. Uh, I know she didn't want to make it all about uh, her, but, uh, yeah, I, I was just wrapped uh, for her and I was wrapped for the for the girls. They had a fantastic season. Uh, George, uh, you want to take us through some of your thoughts on it? Uh, we, we haven't spoken yeah. for a while, so, you know, the the end of the season, the the um, the finals, what do you want to say? Um, firstly, before we get to the good news where we win the premiership um, <laughs> and all the efforts that went into that, I, had to, I have to say, what an almighty cock-up by the AFL oh, in yeah. terms of the operation. Unbelievable. Um, how in the hell can you um, finish up playing on a ground that's that's barely... The showcase game of yeah, the, yeah, the women's yeah, thing yeah. after jerking them around all yeah. season with the yeah. fixture. Yeah, they still don't even know when next year's fixture's going to be. It drives me insane. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's go play up on, on a ground that's only just hard, had the grass laid down in 35 degrees of temperature. But did they um, they did that because Brisbane were adamant that that gets played in Queensland, so their yeah. options no, were very I, limited. I, I don't know that that's the case. Would they, Brisbane I, be I happy to play at Marvel? Said, yes, I think I heard them say that. Oh, really? Yeah. So no. why didn't yeah. they play there? Because they wanted to have it up in Brisbane. Who, who did the, that? The concert, AFL. But if, if Brisbane are saying we're happy to play on a good, no, good surface. AFL wanted it up oh, in wow. Sydney is what I understood. Uh, uh, Brisbane, uh, sorry, yeah. up in, um, no, so in Queensland. Anyhow, it was an all... 
it was an almighty cock up from the yeah. start. Um, it was interesting. I actually spoke to one of the assistant coaches um, at the uh, presentation the other week, and he he said that uh, when they first trained on it, they had the opportunity beforehand. Uh, they realised they can't couldn't bounce the ball. Oh, really? The, the ball didn't <laughs> rebound um, because it's you know it's only grass that's a month old. Wow. So if they tried to bounce the ball, it would have finished up you know flat on the ground. <laughs> um, I. I think if you have a look at the uh, highlights reel, at least when uh, Sinead Goldrick got run down, it was because um, when she tried Mackin. to... <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, it was Goldrick in the middle and dug up a piece of turf under her foot. That's what caused it to slow right. up and they dragged it down, got called holding the ball. But that was typical of the, the condition of the ground. It was just too soft underneath. Yeah, so. uh, and as Kate Roffey said, George, that I mean, she didn't extrapolate fully, but I take from her comment that... Um, is that we had to readjust the way we play. We've built mm. this model of running in waves and the handball chains and, you know, that requires at least a few bounces, doesn't it? And yep, so, yep, yep. You when you've got people like Bannon, Bannon who use it to an extent. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Just not able to use. Anyhow, they after, after the complete disaster about where it was being played and what it was being played, they they followed it up with the uh, speeches and oh. the umpires during the game and, uh, yeah, where the opposition, you know, uh, the the ground announcer tried to get twenty players onto the onto the dais um, instead of doing one at a time. Well, to first of medals. all, it was just a complete debacle. I I, I have no problem with the opposition captain uh, talking, but that went on way too minutes. long. <laughs> and then it's number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Yeah, but that was her. But, but also, it looked hokey. I mean, fair enough. It looks like a good facility and great yeah. they get to train there and it's mm. good that they're investing in AFLW but it looked like a suburban ground with the shots up the thing and as someone on Demon Land noted um, why on earth didn't they put it at um, give um, Southport a um, shot in the arm and support Queensland footy Southport mm. ground is by all accounts a, um, a just a magnificent footy over why not play it at a, a proper football ground that's well established and support Queensland footy at the same time Anyhow, we'll move on to the to the premiership and the and the game. Uh, look, this was, despite the fact there were only four goals kicked overall in the game, it was a very mm. enthralling and entertaining game. And what I was particularly impressed about was um, we turned it into a real battle. You know that that it was about guts and determination, and some of the efforts were just fantastic from the players across the ground. We shut down their op their their best options. You know, um, Shelley Heath cut shut down um, uh, Hodder. You know, who their small forward. You know, who's been kicking goals left, mm-hmm. right, and centre. Uh, Talia Gillard absolutely sh- shut down uh, Wardlaw with only three possessions for the whole game. She's the leading goal kicker in the competition. Uh, uh, Gillard, uh, Gillard, what a pickup! Um, yeah, uh, yeah, just incredible. Had a great end to the season. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Hanks in the middle shut down Emily Bates, you know, their main midfielder. Um, all of a sudden, the the, the Brisbane, uh, Brisbane w- who were depending on these really talented and highly skilled players, just didn't have them. Mm. And the guts of the girls in the middle, you know, I, I'm re- really impressed with. And you know, this this was again all about recruiting and ret- and retention of players. When you look at our midfield of Purcell and West, uh, West and Hanks. Um, uh, you know, last year Purcell played one game, or yeah. the last the previous season played one game, I think one or two, because she was coming back from a from an ACL. 
uh, West wasn't playing at all. You know, that she was still playing down at Casey and, and finally got onto the team. West and um, Purcell had such good years that yeah. it made, like Hanks is so underrated, but she's mm. so underrated because these two had such fantastic years, I think. But yeah. Hanks, and, yeah, really is criminally and, and underrated. The yeah. The interesting thing is they're all powerful girls, really, yeah. you know, really strong and powerful. And that's exactly what I, I think the game has changed from – you know, even the season before, but certainly over the last two or three years, you're getting a different style of play. You're getting a much more powerful player. They're spending more time in the gym. And as a result, things like, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody knew Taylor Harris is the only player who could kick 50 metres. Um, now you've got a whole series of players throughout the whole competition. Gillard uh, being one of them. Yeah, Gillard being one of who who can kick long distances. And even even our own girls, like um, you know, the, the, um, Shelley Heath and... Lily Mithen you know, could barely kick over a jam tin two years ago. Mm. Um, they're getting good distance with their kicks. They're spending more time in the gym. They're getting the strength. They're getting the training. And it's really starting to show up. But overall, it was just a fantastic effort. Um, it was really gutsy. It was knock them down, drag them out in the end. Um, the umpiring was just shocking. Oh, it was oh, appalling. Oh, it was just appalling. The, the number of times that Davidson, you know, for, the Bris- for Brisbane, pushed players in the back you know, two and three and four times during the game. And weren't wasn't called for it, and particularly that one just before the three quarter t- time siren. Um, it was just just ridiculous that um, like the quality changed. And then you know when we got our noses in front, all of a sudden we became the the beneficiaries. But yeah. we, you know it was still only a, a couple of points difference at that stage. But certainly certainly they'd got the rubber the uh, the green up to that point. But uh, yeah, great great effort. Um, really impressed with um, Blaheen Macken. She's played you know. She wasn't playing you know, mm. before this season. wasn't playing. Never, I love the step. In <laughs> one of the great yeah, step. In one fantastic. of the one of the finals, I don't know if it was the uh, preliminary final or the one before, where she did that side step, but uh, sold some yeah, candy. Was, oh, yeah. that was just some like someone had been playing. You know, well, that's a Gaelic footy move. Yeah, so it is. Like but, a, uh, and, like, but she's you got to have a way, given a license to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, she, and again, she's powerful. She's really powerful, yeah. which is great. Um, really impressed with the efforts. That, you know, when you look at you know, Taylor Harris, who was smashed in the face and came up bleeding. You know, Karen Packs. <laughs> and Karen very Pax, next contest and, was yeah, ferocious. Had hurt yeah. her shoulder the week before, and I, having yeah, hurt my yeah. shoulder, I know what yeah. it feels like. Karen Paxman, so. our sponsored player, you know, was on the ground with with obviously cramps to the to mm. the thighs, could not move. That's how much they were putting in in, in that last quarter. Yeah. They were completely shot, and you know, all effort and all credit to them. That gets your premierships, and they did it. It was a, a fantastic effort. B man, before you go on, uh, George, did you think Eliza West was robbed? Of a oh, Norm Smith medal, oh, or whatever the equivalent Abs- is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So was really Dangerfield, the by the way, for the Norm Smith while I, you know, I think about. <laughs> he was. I think if he would have yeah. kicked maybe one more goal. Um, yeah. Um, the big man, go ahead. I couldn't believe Eliza West didn't win. I could not believe yeah. it. Just on a couple of things on Eliza West. Speaking of the umpires, the look she gave the umpire after she got pinged, she grabbed the ball. Tackled by two players immediately. You speak of strength. She runs 10 metres basically with two tacklers hanging off her and gets done for holding the ball. Had no chance, no prior opportunity. But I don't know what the umpire's brain must have been thinking. Okay, she's 10 metres from the contest where she picked the ball up, must ping her. Well, she would have been better off just lying on the ground. 
course. Yeah. The withering look yeah. she gave the umpires. Yeah, I mean, I thought. Yeah. But I, look, I have to say, I I just just love the end of the season. Even the last game of the home and away season, where you know it was thrilling. Um, how close we were, yeah. you know. Daisy centered the ball and said, "If she'd gone for goal and even we got a point, I think it would have been enough yeah, it was to one give point. us that yep. that that extra percentage, and we would have been able to watch them at the G and not some yeah. jumped up footy ground up north." But um, the the two finals at um, Icon Park at Princess Park were. I just loved it. And, and I have to say that particularly the first one, it was the weather was beautiful. It was twilight on a Friday night. I'd, I'd worked in town. I was able to get like old school times, get the tram up Princess Park to, you know, the stops directly outside, straight in. The vibe, and I don't know if you guys went, but the energy in the crowd was just really fantastic, really diverse, lots of young women, lots of young kids. Um blessedly no loud music playing in the break so I could <laughs> chat to my mate that, you know, we could actually have it like old days, have a conversation because, you know, during the game I like to watch the bloody game, not talk. Um, and, you know, just the whole energy was fantastic. Um, Bannon's goal in that first um, that first game, um, you know, the, where she ran around the player on the mark, yep. the run she yep. did on the wing that was on the wing, I was, it was just like really, probably as much as I've enjoyed a game of footy going to live for oh, 30 years, I reckon. I just loved it. Um, the next game the, against the Ruse was scrappy. It was it didn't you couldn't probably tell on the television, but it was howling wind, like really strong. But it was a weird wind. It was diagonally across the ground, so um, it, it was bad either way. But just our grit to to you know we were never going to lose that in that second. Uh, but and even though the grand final wasn't quite the same in terms of the skill and the ground explains it, the heat probably explains it as well. I mean, in terms of the quality of the football, I mean, but as you both said, it was such an intense game. It was like, I don't really you know, follow soccer, but I love watching Socceroos and Matildas games. And when I'm invested in soccer, part of the DNA of soccer is the tension of, you know, one goal can change everything. Mm. That's how I felt like for the entire second half because really after the first quarter I thought we dominated that match um I thought West was clearly our best player so there's uh, God knows what the award in the AFL is it's you know it would be a good pub quid could anyone name the last five best finals players whatever that award is if there was an award for that in the um AFLW it would go to Westie for sure she was awesome in all three mm. finals and was totally robbed for the best player in the grand final um in the in the grand final itself I thought she and Gillard were almost the two most influential players. Mm. Um, and Gillard, you know, has grown. She was awesome in the North Melbourne game as well. Um, but she was just, she's really disciplined. Um, I like the way she's clearly got a message, though, is a rule is if you can get the ball, just kick it as far as you can to jerk mm. <laughs> around. Um, so, you know, the, I, I thought those two players were, were brilliant. I've heard Hanks described as underrated a few times recently. Yeah, I, who yeah. could underrate her? She's, to my mind, she's the best player in the AFL. Yeah, I think she, just the in most the wider natural footballer. In sorry, in the AFLW, she's the most natural footballer. Well, certainly at Melbourne, and I, and of all the players, including Daisy, or maybe, maybe not Daisy, but I just think she's a brilliant footballer. Um, just I, the way I she think, moves. I think in this game, the reason people didn't notice her because was she took Emily Bates out of the game, and, she, and, and you know people see. Certainly, Westy rightly so. She's got the ball in her hand, but Emily Bates didn't because Hanks was yeah. you know, putting the work into her. So it's one. But I think she, after the game, Daisy credited it, or, or Taylor Harris credited it with 
or, or maybe even Stanier about the work that she did on the inside that people just don't notice. But she yeah, was and she makes such good decisions. And yeah. late in the game, I forget exact the exact scenario, but I just remember thinking she saved, uh, um, stopped them moving forward just purely because she made a smart decision. And that's yeah. what I mean by being a natural footballer. She's yeah. smart, clever, moves well, uh, but doesn't waste a possession. So she yeah. doesn't try to kick too long, hits targets. She's just a, a fantastic player. I think one of the really interesting things actually about the finals is um, the last two games is Paxi didn't really have a huge influence. Mm. Um, so that's a real big plus. And in the final, the commentators made no mention of this. It was frustrating. Paxi was off the ground for a big chunk of the second half with the cramp that you mentioned. They couldn't get her back. She didn't look like she was going to come back on, so they didn't really have um, a huge influence. Um, but the last 15 minutes of that game were super stressful and it was, uh, you know, I have to say I cried when we, you know, I had tears when um, uh, the D's won, which I didn't in the men's final. And and maybe it was because the tension was different. Like, you know, there wasn't in the last quarter, there wasn't much tension in the men's win, but there was in this game. And it felt, you know, I mentioned the soccer, it felt like that where one goal, I was th- kept on thinking they're going to steal this game because they'll get one goal against the run of play. So, um, you know, all credit to Stinia. I, I really love the positive energy all of the team put towards her. Um, fantastic effort by the the women. Um, I, I just I, I really love this season and, um, you know, I really loved the particularly the finals in that, that last game and so all power to, to all of them. But my favourite player, Westy, I thought, you know, she was – just brilliant in the final series, um, and as I mentioned during the year on the podcast, I don't, I've never seen a footballer um, improve as much as um, she has in a in a short period of time. Yeah. Just a final comment about the AFLW: I could not agree more with what your comments were about um, the AFL and this the whole. Um, the way this was organised for you know just it was embarrassing. I thought you know, in the photo you could I mean in the on the coverage there's cars parked up the road you know half expected when we kicked the goal you'd hear someone tooting a horn <laughs> so it's like you know to give it it's great the pay's great we'll only get better now that the women can you know realistically get paid enough money to maybe only work part-time not full-time and play football mm, um that, you know that's actually a difficulty for them um next year when like i said i was talking to this uh, assistant coach and um the competitive bargaining agreement is still not finalised for next year. There was you know, a rush through to get a single year um, agreement in place so that the AFLW could go ahead, even the men's competition. That's still not been finalised. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, for, for next year. You know, there was a temporary sort of let's get it over the line and, and come back to it. Um, so that's the first thing. The girls won't be back until next June, but they don't know that exactly. Well, they don't because, know that. How can yeah. they plan? I mean, yeah. like, they've got lives. Like they might get married or have children yeah. or yeah. travel yeah. overseas or do another job or, or, yeah. or the, finish their degree or yeah. whatever. The, the girls and, and the, from overseas sorry. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, well, that's a huge yeah. thing because that's yeah. the that puts it smack bang in the middle of the Gaelic finals if it starts in June. Yeah, but um, again, it's all unknown. And the other real concern that they had was uh, the part-time nature. They're, they're, you know, because um, at this point they're, sort, they're still part-time, um, there's been a lot of employers who have been very generous um, uh, as they become more professional. Instead of one day off a week or two days off a week to go to training, 
they're now being asked to go for four days a week off to training and yeah. you know, the employers are getting a bit narky about it. So um, we really need quickly to get the uh, competition on you know, at least a decent pay footing so that the girls can become fully professional. Um, yeah. it's, about, yeah. it's about time. And the other thing, just finally about the AFLW, is that my experience at Icon Park just really super reinforced to me that is that they should bite the bullet and invest money in Icon Park, bring it up to AFL standard and play the majority of the women's games at that ground because it's even on the super windy um, game against North, it's still protected from the stands. It's got mm. a th almost 360-degree coverage from the stands. The, the, the surface is great. It's slightly smaller. Um, it's a great spot to get to. It's a great viewing ground. Um, it just makes for better footy. Um, and, you know, the, the women deserve to play in on elite standard, um, you know, grounds basically. And, and then play the grand final at least in Marvel since the AFL now yeah. own the grand. Yeah. yeah. There's one thing about Icon Park that I just cannot stand, especially watching on TV, and that's seeing that Carlton logo. <laughs> Yep. Okay. <laughs> I was looking at it and said to my mate, well, why did they put the Carlton logo all the way down the end of the stand? Did they get the memo wrong? Why not right in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But, um, yeah, let's relocate Carlton out of there and make them have to scrounge for uh, well, funding from the government. And fun fact, I think the D's played the last game ever in AFL there. I think we played Fitzroy. It was the last game of... Um, AFL played at Princess Park and we played it. I might be wrong. We need Super Mercado on the job. We do. All right. We'll try and uh, track that down for next year if anyone remembers. Um, I think we'll uh, leave it there. I want to thank uh, my co-host for another stellar year of podcasting. Uh, whilst the boys didn't get the job done on the field this season, you boys still fronted up week in, week out. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you to our listeners and the callers and all the Demonland posters who provided questions and comments throughout the season. And we'll be back in the pre-season, uh, no doubt, to do our season preview. So have a think about what you guys want to talk about. Uh, in addition, we'll give any updates uh, from training and any scratch matches. Of course, you can still follow all of the pre-season training action at demonland.com as our track watchers keep you updated with all the happenings out at Gosh's Paddock or Casey Fields or just follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and stay up to date with the latest uh, from Demonland. Boys, thank you very much. It's been a great year and um, we'll see you next year. Go Red Legs. Go Hopefully legs. you can get it up soon, Andy. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. The podcast or my arm? No, you're up. You're up. <laughs> Boys, uh, we'll be back next year. Go, Dings. Go, Red Legs. Come on, Dings. Come on, Dings.